When I was looking at these two stories, I saw some things in common dealing with bondage and freedom and how we should be because we are free. We have citizenship in heaven and how we were also born into that citizenship. Romans 8 and 15 through 17 says we are no longer slaves, but we are set free. We are not citizens of this world, but citizens of a heavenly realm. And so I just thought that was really, really interesting how Paul would use that to his advantage. Even though Paul and Silas are listed as slaves, how they were still free. Hey everyone, this is Noah Randolph here teaching pastor at Wayfarers Christian Church. Uh, Today, Ashley Wakefield is back with us as she is diving into Acts chapter 16 this week. Um, She's going to be doing a couple of different episodes uh, covering Acts 16. Um, This week, she is focusing specifically on uh, Paul and Silas's uh, visit to the town of Philippi and their interaction with a slave girl that is prophesying. Um, It is a great, great story um, that I would highly recommend reading for yourself. However, Ashley does read this one as well, so uh, feel free to read along with her if you want to. Without much said, other than that, let's go ahead and dive into this episode. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it as we uh, begin this uh, time here. Thanks so much for tuning in, and uh, uh, stay tuned for more episodes like this one at WayfarerCC.com. Heavenly Father, we thank you for everyone that has come together in this room, but more importantly, God, we thank you for you, God. We're thankful for everything that you've done for us in our lives. We're thankful for this teaching, God, and Heavenly Father, I pray to you that you speak through me, that everything that I say elevates you, God. I pray that the focus is not on me, but it's on the Bible, that it's on the kingdom of heaven, that it's on you, and that it gives you glory, God. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Okay, so I am Ashley Wakefield. I am one of the Bible teachers here. Hi. Hi. And so we have been going through the book of Acts. And so I'm going to be discussing Acts 16, and I'm going to be starting at verse 16. Um, I'm going to be starting off talking about the slave girl, and then I'm going to be talking about the Philippian jailer. And so when I was looking at these two stories, I saw some things in common dealing with bondage and freedom and how we should be because we are free. And so the first thing that I wanted to talk about, of course, was like I said, this slave girl. And so when I was, actually, I want to read it. I'm going to go ahead and read it. That's what I think I'm going to do. So I'll start with verse 16 and I'll do that with you all. And I'm reading from the ESV just so you know. And it says, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into the prison ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. 
Okay, so when I began looking at this story, the first thing I did was what I said last time. I automatically went to um, those journals that I like, like to look at because I think they're super helpful. And I ran across this journal by John Byron called Paul and the Python Girl. And so the Python Girl is related to this slave girl here. And the reason that she's called the Python Girl is because even though in this ESV it says that she has a spirit of divination, in the Greek it actually says that she has a spirit of Python. And so I wanted to give a little bit of background about that to just give you an idea about how important she was to these people who were using her to make money. And so Python was originally a snake that inhabited the Greek of Delphi. And this is all related to, you know, Greek mythology. And so this snake's name was Pythia, and she was the daughter of um, the daughter of the goddess of the earth Gaia. And so legend told that there was this snake that was killed um, by the Greek god Apollo. But before she was before she died and before she was killed by Apollo, she acted as a priestess of Apollo. And she would deliver these oracles. And so she lived in the earth. And it was said that she lived in the center of this earth. And the center of the earth was at a place called Delphi. So Delphi was thought of to be the center of the world. And so this priestess um, would come and she would prophesy on behalf of Apollo and give oracles. And so this is what people believe this girl is doing. They believe that she's possessed by the spirit called um, Pythia. And so this was a very, very important spirit to people because people would travel from different cities, different locations to come and hear her prophesy because it wasn't just regular people who would do this. It was people in politics who would come and they would want to hear what she had to say regarding political moves about war, about making Greek um, Greek colonies and things like that. And so people would pay her money to do this. And the, the interesting thing about it is that these people who prophesied from that spirit like she did would only be active nine months out of the year. And within that nine months, they would only prophesy maybe a few days. And so people would pay tons of money to get to the front of the line because they wanted to be the first ones to hear what she had to say. And because you had these wealthy people who wanted to pay her to hear what they had to say about their political moves, they would pay tons of money for it. And so because Paul had cast his spirit out of her, they were losing a lot of money because she was super valuable. And another interesting thing that I wanted to bring up, and I'm going to be discussing a lot more Greek words than I have before, and I'm not a Greek scholar, so I may not pronounce them right, but it's fine, <laughs> as long as you get the idea. So in this article, John Byron talks about how it's very possible that she may have been a prostitute. And the reason that he says that is because the Greek word used to describe her is paidiski. I think that's how you pronounce it. And it means a female slave or a servant. Now, that term is very general and vague for a servant. Normally when they would describe servants, male or female, they would use um, doule for, for a female slave or doulos for a male slave. And you, you can see that word doulos in Acts 16 and 17. That's the same word that's being used to describe Paul and Silas here as servants of God. And so because this term is very general and vague, it's very possible that she could have been a prostitute, but there is no guarantee that she may have been. But I re the reason I brought that up, even though there is no guarantee that she may have been a prostitute, it's the idea that she was bound by these people, you know, because people can be bound by physical things. They can be bound by spiritual things. And so it's the idea that they had the power to make her do whatever they wanted because they were basically putting her up for sale and basically making money off of her while she was prophesying. And so I liked the idea of how you have these words that are used to describe this girl as a slave and also Paul and Silas as a slave, but they're two different kinds of words. And it made me think about how even though Paul and Silas are listed as slaves, how they were still free, you know what I mean? And so I was thinking about that and how, how spirits and things can have like power over us and how, um, 
she was possessed with the spirit and how that word possessed in Greek means echo, which I found very interesting because echo means to have a hold on something. It can be mean, it can mean to, um, it can also be associated with a child or with conceiving or with a journey or an affliction. And the reason I bring up those words is because when you have a hold on something specifically spiritually, which, you know, everybody's affected by some kind of spirit, whether it's the spirit of the Lord, whether it's some other type of demonic spirit. And when I say that, I don't mean that people are literally possessed, but I mean that there's some type of spiritual thing that's happening that's allowing people to do what they do. There's like a spiritual force behind whatever people do what they do. And it reminded me of when they said that echo could mean child or conceiving that those spirits like to produce after themselves. Just like when God created Adam and Eve, he created them in their image because he wanted something to be produced after himself. And he is a spirit that wants to be produced just like we have the Holy Spirit now. And because we have that spirit, God expects us to act more like him, to think more like him and speak more like him. And this girl is doing the same thing. She is behaving the same way that this spirit would because she's acting as a vessel to this spirit. And it kind of reminds me of something that I read in John 8 and 44 when it says, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. So I'm starting at verse 42. For I came to God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. And so skipping down to verse 44, which is what I really wanted to read. You are of their father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So it was the idea that Satan being the father of liar, father of lies. And these people who Jesus is speaking to are acting like they're quote unquote their father because they're acting as if the spirit had came after them, just like this young girl is acting like this. And Paul and Silas are acting after the spirit that God has given them. And so it reminded me of how Greek in the Greek father means patir and it can be used as a metaphor for being the originator or the transmitter of anything. And it describes as the author of a family or a society of persons animated by the same spirit as himself and one who has infused his own spirit into others who actuates and governs their minds. And it also reminded me how the Israelites believe that, you know, genealogy showed the characteristics of a particular line. And so in other words, children acted like their descendants. And so, uh, you know, Noah brought up last week that Stephen was being the of acting like the Jews, that Stephen was accusing the Jews of acting like their ancestors because they killed the prophets that God sent to them and how they were resisting the Holy Spirit and even killed the Christ. And so that kind of brings me back to this idea that, you know, there's like an, an idea that slaves, that people act after the spirits that they produce, whether it's this girl acting after the Python spirit, whether it's Paul and Silas acting like God or whatever it may be, that people act after the spirits that they are being controlled over, you know, not, not with possession, like I said, but just by the influence that they have. And so that also reminds me of something that I saw in Romans. So I'm trying to connect a lot of different verses here because I like to make sure that there's a connection between verses in the Bible. So in Romans chapter six and verse 15, it talks about how, um, it says, what then are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? It says, by no means do you know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But when that fruit, but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get 
leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it's the idea that we're not literally saved. Because Paul specifically said that he's using this term because he's basically using it as sort of like a colloquial term. I guess that's the best way I can put it so that they can understand what he's referring to is that we give ourselves over to be used either by God with his spirit or give ourselves over to be used by Satan and his plans. And so um, I found that very, very interesting, that connection between how spirits have an influence over us and how we willingly give ourselves over um, to be slaves to either spiritual things or even physical things and how that pr we produce those things after ourselves. We speak like those things, we act and we talk like those things the way that you see people in this first story. And another thing that I found interesting about that story, and I wanted to read something directly from that article, and I found it interesting in relation to what God used to do in the Old Testament, and he does this now. And it he says, the last thing I observe is that this young girl has no name. We are never told who she is, only that she was a slave girl with an unusual gift for fortune telling. This in itself is not all that unusual. In slavery, human beings lose the dignity of their name. An important characteristic in all forms of slavery is disconnection. Slavery is an institution, has the ability to disconnect completely individuals from family, ethnic and cultural ties. In my family, I identify three components of slavery that provide advantages for the owner over the slave. The slave's property status, the totality of power over him or her, and his or her kinlessness. And so when I read that, it reminded me of slavery in the Old Testament, because it does talk about that. But it also reminded me of how all those things that he talks about, about family and like family connections and names, all those things are very important to God. And it reminded me of how um, God told the Israelites in Isaiah 49 that he engraved them on the palm of his hand and how one of the rewards of the righteous in Revelations is a new name written on a white stone. And so God also cared about property and family relationships. So in Leviticus 25, he says, when God gives the command about the law of Jubilee, which was the year of liberty, he allows slaves to return to their property and to their clan, which is their family. And so it reminded me of how, like when we're bound by something, whether it's something physical, something spiritual, that we're separated from God. Um, how we are disconnected from God, how we're disconnected from his family, how we don't have the proper name and how God even was very important about names, how Paul changed, how Paul's name was changed from Saul to Paul, how Sarah's name was changed, for, how Sarai's name was changed from Sarai to Sarah, how Abraham's name was changed from Abram to Abraham. And so it's the idea that names are as important to people. Connection to family is important. Connection to land is important. Like having those blood ties with God is very important. And so it reminded me of how when we're separated from God, we're disconnected from all those things. But when we come into relationship with God, that we are connected um, with him. And so that's the difference between what this slave girl is experiencing spiritually versus what Paul and Silas are experiencing. So that's kind of what I wanted to start off talking about with the slave girl. So I wanted to stop and ask you if anybody had any questions or anything, questions, comments, anything at all. 